The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, I must say at the outset, this isn't really about an exploration company because we're talking to QEM. ASX uh, code is also QEM, trading at around 19 cents for a market cap of $26 million. And I say it's not really an exploration story because QEM under its belt already has one of the world's biggest vanadium pentoxide uh, deposits, which also comes with an in-situ oil resource, uh, contingent oil resource of up to uh, almost 700 million barrels. So we can think of this one as a sort of a, a critical metals and energy play, one for the times I would suggest, and things are moving along nicely for them. And to bring us up to speed on the company and its project at Julia Creek, which is up in the Mount Isa Honkari region there in northwest Queensland, we have the managing director with us today, Gavin Lloyden. G'day, Gavin. How are you? Oh, g'day, Barry. It's uh, nice to speak to you again. Right. Again, we have got a bit of a unique one here, uh, both the vanadium and the oil shale. Also, I must say, with a, an aligned sort of renewable energy strategy overarching the whole project. So it might be best for those listeners who aren't aware of just what the Julia Creek deposit contains, just to give them a feel for this mix you've got here of vanadium and oil shale. Certainly, Barry. Uh, you're right to point out it is a little bit unique. It's uh, a resource that does contain the, the vanadium, which has always been the target for us. Um, we actually looked at doing a scoping study just for, or we did a scoping study, I should say, back in 2016, just to see if we could do the vanadium in isolation. But uh, once we got into the lab, we found that was uh, a little bit uh, tricky. In fact, almost impossible. Uh, so that led us then to look at the dual commodity. So there is a, quite a, a richness to the, to the oil shale there in Julia Creek. And we've developed a process that, with a keen eye to the environment, that allows us to extract this oil uh, in, a, in a very sensitive way. And we need to do that to get to the vanadium, which is always the, uh, the end goal. Uh, so this process that we're using is, is unlike the uh, previous history with, with oil shale in Australia, which has always been retort-based. This is a super critical process that we use uh, using a, a hydrogen donor solvent, which actually allows us to get a greater yield than would otherwise be the case. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the way oil shale is measured in situ is, is, is using a modified Fisher assay. It's mm -hmm. a dated process, but nevertheless, that's how it's measured, uh, giving you a litres per tonne in situ value. Uh, with this process, we can get consistently you know, 1.8 times that number. Uh, and we think we can get uh, you know, closer to 200 uh, in, in the commercial application because uh, what we've done in the lab would reflect that. And, and, and it's just that when we built the pilot plant, we didn't quite spec it to the, uh, to the uh, pressure ranges that we would need to get the 200% yield. But we have tested that again, uh, and we believe that's achievable for us. We just don't want to step past the, uh, uh, the rating for this particular unit because obviously when you're building pilot plants, there is a little bit of guesswork involved. And, uh, but having said that, I think we got it pretty right. Um, we had a little bit of an issue in the first run, but otherwise from that, it's been running beautifully and, and giving us quite consistent results. Right. So you've been running a pilot plant. We have. Yes. With so this process. That's right. So we built that, uh, 
uh, and had that running now uh, since April last year. Uh, and, and the reason for that is we, we were doing some work with GSA, which is a, a GSA environmental in the UK for the vanadium extraction, and they were, they were a little bit distracted, obviously, by COVID for a couple of years. So, But um, what that pushed us to do was look at more the oil side and how we're going to extract that, and more importantly, what the solid residues are going to look like. So the solid material that's left after we've extracted the oil is where the vanadium resides, and that's what we're targeting now. Uh, and we're getting very good results. Um, previously, we've got about a 93% yield using uh, sulfuric acid, but it was very hungry for, for acid. So we had to change uh, some of the parameters to, to uh, both the, the, the roasting step and, and, and to the um, uh, very keen eye to the, the pH levels that we're using. Uh, and that's given us a much better outcome. Um, now, having said that, acid is, a, is the, the, the common approach. Uh, we think we've got that pretty right we're, from this last work that we've just uh, received as of yesterday. Um, we're looking at an 80, uh, sorry, 98% uh, extraction rate from acid. But there's, a, there's always been another way of doing this, and, and it's a preferable um, option for me at the moment, uh, is to look at an alkaline method. Uh, and we've done that work as well. And we're getting about a 92% yield uh, using that, but that's unoptimized. So the optimization work is, is, is starting uh, as of today, as a matter of fact. Uh, so we will be um, exploring that further because I think the trade-offs that we would get with acid via uh, versus um, the alkaline method, I, I think are very worthy of, of uh, you know, worth, worth getting into that trade. Uh, if we lose a couple of points on, on the alkaline method, the upside for the environment uh, and, and the availability of, of, of that uh, um, leachate, is, is, uh, leaching catalyst, I should say, is is much better than, than, than acid. So, yeah, very interesting results. Um, and watch this space. We're, we're doing uh, some improvements on that yield as well. Uh, we're also doing some work with uh, UQ to see if we can't beneficiate that material um, even further before we put them through the leaching process. So a number of things going on in the space, but we understand the oil well enough now. Uh, we've got some petrology work going on with Northern Oil uh, up in Gladstone uh, to get an understanding of the, of the products that we might be able to produce from this raw oil. Um, and, the, and the vanadium work is ongoing as well. But uh, very, very exciting results and all going in the right direction. Kind of interesting. Uh, as we all know, um, shale oil was uh, very big back in the 80s and then uh, oil price didn't work in its favour and then there were the environmental concerns and um, the traditional roasting and acid leaching of uh, vanadium is has issues about it. So on both fronts, though, on the both commodities that you're looking to extract from Julia Creek, you're actually going down this greener pathway, as it were. Absolutely. Uh, to the extent that, you know, there's not a great deal of power in Julia Creek. So what we looked at was uh, renewable energy for this project as, as, a, as a piece of infrastructure and, and quickly worked out that, that, that it's quite sizable and, and a little bit big for us. So then what we, we, we thought about was, okay, um, how do we manage to do this? So we spoke with Copper String uh, a couple of years ago, and we've had an ongoing uh, relationship with those guys. Uh, but that was never set in concrete, and, and it's still yet to be uh, announced that it's going forward, but we're pretty confident now. But that led us to thinking about, right, what if we made this a bigger project that was a you know a globally significant project? So that's what we did. We, took the, we, we scaled it up from what our requirements would be up to a, a full gigawatt 
yeah. of wind and solar, two-thirds wind, one-third solar. We had GHD do a, a pre-feasibility study for us to see if that was viable, and, and, and of course, it, it, it certainly is, uh, given that that area out there is, is one of the only, uh, or very few, uh, that has a AAA rating for both wind and solar, which I found quite interesting because... Uh, there's plenty of sun out there, but it turns out there's plenty of wind as well. So, we, so we looked at that and we, and we thought, well, let's let's see if what the appetite is uh, for that, and turns out that's significant. So, we decided to go and put up some measuring equipment last year, knowing full well that whoever was going to build the renewables project would need 12 months of live data yep. uh, before they could make any decision. So, we decided. You know, when we looked at the market and understood how fast the, this is going to transition and, and, and what would be required to do that, we decided to bite the bullet and go and put up a, a, a meteorological mast or a MET mast and some sonar and solar measuring equipment out on site just to start that ball rolling. Because if we were to start that today, we'd be two years away from getting to right, yeah. this point in time. So the, the solar gear went up in, in June and the um, uh, and the MET mast in July last year. And that's giving us live feed uh, 24-7. And, and that's what we've uh, put into the data room along with uh, all the other uh, usual uh, pieces that you need. And we have a number of global developers in that data room as we speak. And they've got three months in there and then come out with, a, with an offer. Obviously, what we're after is, is cheap behind the meter power. Yeah. If copper string certainly comes ahead, then that sort of uh, will add to the weight of that opportunity for those developers as well. So, and, and there's a number of other projects around the area. This is this is not just for us, obviously. That's why we decided to scale it up. This will be utilised uh, across the region. And even if if copper string doesn't go ahead, it, it it still has a standalone capacity. This this project, uh, but too big for us. Not something we could handle. We don't have the balance sheet for that sort of thing. But yeah, we've taken that off the table and, and given that to someone else, and there seems to be some good appetite for it. Well, there's plenty of money in that space, that's for sure. Yeah, and this will allow us to offset some of our uh, uh, emissions profile, which should be at a minimum. Uh, you mentioned some of the old uh, school methods of, of, of uh, oil shale extraction, and they are dated. They're, they're, they're very dated. In fact, they're, they're probably useless in today's environment. Uh, but this project with the advent of the you know the renewables, backed up by long-duration storage, uh, should that be required, copper string coming online, uh, if that happens, then this thing all clicks into place. And the timing is what we were concerned about as well. And that's why we, we took that decision to, to put up that uh, equipment, because if we had to wait another two years, then, then what does that do to our development timeline? It blows it a bit. So uh, we're very cognizant of that. Now, uh, why we need a significant amount of energy in this project is to produce green hydrogen. We use the green hydrogen in our industrial process to extract the oil. So uh, there's two phases to that in the in the first instance and and, and at the end of the uh, uh, after the extraction of the raw oil uh, we use it secondarily to hydro treat that and turn it into a product okay so the hydrogen acts as a, what a solvent in the front end as a solvent and in the in the back end as a hydrogenation treatment to turn the raw oil into a usable uh, transport fuel and diesel is our uh, is our objective at the moment obviously a lot of interest in the Canadian market nowadays uh, the need for uh, better steels uh, sadly as we've seen recently with earthquakes in part of the world uh, governments increasingly mandating that uh, High-quality steels using vanadium uh, should be deployed. So the, uh, good growth in that market. But uh, the real excitement, of course, is the uh, vanadium redox flow batteries, The uh, those big batteries which are nice and safe, don't catch on fire like uh, one of their well-known competitors. 
and large scale too. So what's your take on the vanadium market at the moment? Oh, look, I think you're exactly right. Um, I was reading some articles uh, uh, this week in regard to what that the scale of that. I mean, just in China alone, they're talking about five gigawatts of, uh, of storage over the next decade. Uh, to put that in some sort of relative terms, uh, you need about 9.2 tonnes of V2O5 for every megawatt hour of storage. So okay. if you were to translate that to 5 gigawatts, that would be half of global supply as it stands today of the Navy. Wow. Which is required mostly by the steel industry currently. That's right, exactly. So um, we went to the Vanatec conference in London uh, late last year in October. What came out of that was very, very encouraging. Uh, so we had the, you know, there were some graphical representations on what the market looks like today. It's about 112,000 tons of, of V2O, uh, sorry, of vanadium, uh, metal equivalent last year. That would equate to about 200,000, uh, tons in, in relative, in, 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 in relative terms, uh, if, if we were to translate it to, uh, V2O5, which is what we're talking about for batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, we would need two and a half times global production currently just for the batteries. Yeah. So that speaks to an opportunity in my mind. Why we find vanadium on all the governments around the world, this being outside of uh, China, Australia, US, EU, all have vanadium on the critical metals list. Indeed they do. And, and, and the, you know, the reason for that is, is uh, twofold. One is batteries and, and, and the other, I think, uh, primarily is, is defence. So anything that goes supersonic speed has to have quite a percentage of, I think it's around about 20% vanadium in the in the steels. And so anything that goes supersonic, so jets, rockets, all of those, uh, uh, those things uh, require quite a substantial amount of vanadium. And then you've added to that, you've got high strength uh, alloys for, for for tooling, for high-speed drills. It's, it's a, certainly a growing market in, the, in that alloying space, um, right down to the jet turbines. Jet turbines uh, are now printed in a, a 3D printer, so you're buying uh, jet turbines because they're uh, a, a titanium, um, aluminum, and vanadium alloy. All of those can be powdered. Yeah. So those metals can be powdered and put into a 3D printer, and, and that's how you get your uh, your latest jet turbines. So uh, obviously they're... they're they're quite specific. They don't have any uh, flaws in them, uh, unlike tool uh, pieces. And the, there's been no faults with them so far. So they're, uh, uh, yeah, it's a great uh, application. I mean, vanadium's in all sorts of things, from from ceramics to catalysts to um, smart glass. That's the tinting on your smart glass. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very versatile metal. The grade of the resource, uh, 0.31% vanadium, might, might not be as high as some of those ones in WA, but you've got this uh, dual, dual revenue stream. And I guess the, the, what, the oil shale, you end up with a residue that's on surface, so you don't actually go mining vanadium. You've already mined it, as it were, by, by uh, uh, getting the uh, oil out of the shales. That's correct, exactly. And and the, the work we've done in the lab is, has been very conservative. So we've worked on the lower grades of the, of the, 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 the point 0.3. It's point 0.3 across the entire project area. It, it'll improve um, in the uh, in the defined mining areas. Uh, we're just about to just kick off a scoping study, which will do that because, as I mentioned earlier, the, the scoping study we did in 2016 was based purely on vanadium. This is now the combination. Right. So we're upgrading that uh, scoping study. It's a short piece of work that will lead us into our into our PFS. So, yeah, that's 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 the direction we're heading at the moment. So you're moving into PFS stage now? Uh, we'll be doing that at the back of this um, 
uh, scoping study, the short scoping study, just to update particularly those pit shields because as we're doing the, the, the combination, we're looking for the, for the highlights of both the oil and, and the uh, and the V205. And it's not a great deal of difference to what we looked at before or what, what it came out before, but there's a bit of variance and, and we want to capture that. Mm. Going back to your point about the, the, the oil extraction, so yes, we've been conservative about the, the approach. So we've looked at the, the, the 031 percentage range. Then after we've extracted the oil and, and moisture and a few other uh, things that, that come out in that process, we're left with a grade of about uh, 0.48 to 0.5. Oh, so it actually upgrades by extracting It upgrades, yeah, yeah, and it's on the deck for free at that point because uh, mining costs have been applied to the oil extraction. You only dig the whole ones. And talking about grades, Julia Creek itself is, of course, world famous for its uh, shale oil content. Yes, it is, yeah. And, and now that we can get you know close to a 200% yield, what looks sort of borderline economic uh, oil shale resource now becomes highly economic. And greener than uh, ever. This will be the greenest oil produced. In fact, there's uh, uh, a few have commented on what that shade of green might look like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll leave that for other commentary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once we're doing olive oil, I went, well, I won't be mentioning that one. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, I touched earlier about the strategic nature of the uh, vanadium. Uh, well, oils uh, with Australia importing, what, $30 billion worth of oil right. to meet our needs nowadays. And I think self-sufficiency is at the uh, lowest in, well, multi-decades. Queensland yeah. government seems to be lining up behind the vanadium industry up there. Tell us a bit about that and uh, the company's involvement. Oh, look, very much so. Um, so, uh, well, what are we looking at? We're probably looking at close to two years, certainly 18 months ago. We were talking to government and government were very receptive to the fact that we're all in the same space, going to be looking at similar extraction methodologies. How can the government assist? And they were very forthcoming in saying, look, what about a, a common user approach to uh, the vanadium extraction? Um, of course, we said, that's great. We then went off individually to see what that might look like, and there wasn't a great deal of variation in, in how the uh, the extraction would be approached. So the government, uh, you know, looked at doing a, a ten million dollar facility, and that's now gone up to a seventy five million dollar facility to build this project in in Townsville. Uh, we think that's absolutely fantastic. We think it's uh, great for the industry. Uh, I haven't seen uh, in my career anyone get behind a, an industry like this. Uh, in Australia, apart from, well, thank you if you went right back to the early days of, of coal. But um, these are the sorts of things that can be, you know, quite catalytic to an industry rather mm. than, uh, and that's the way we viewed it. And, and uh, we think it's uh, only going to be a fantastic uh, way to go forward. And it's been expanded out to other critical minerals as well. So vanadium companies will be the first uh, entrance and, and get their time in, on the gear. Uh, the equipment, and then it'll be opened up to other uh, critical minerals operators as well, which I think is 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 really telling on on this government and and what they've been able to achieve or what they're trying to achieve uh, is, is to get these industries motivated quickly. Ninety five percent of uh, these uh, critical minerals resources in Australia are held by juniors like us, mm. uh, and we need the support at this earlier stage to be able to bring these things to fruition. You know, the, the resource for us is well defined. It's it's it's. It's quite uniform across the entire 250 square kilometres. There's only a little bit that, that uh, dips down to the to the southwest, but otherwise this whole thing is economic. Yeah, okay. It's a long-life operation uh, and, and, and it will supply some of those things that we need. So the criticality comes not only from the, from the vanadium, but certainly from the oil, as you rightly pointed out, where 
We're importing over 95% of our oils at the moment uh, and liquid fuels. Mm -hmm. We only have two refineries left in the country, and that was a reason for doing this at Julia Creek. What we didn't want to do was produce a raw oil and have to find it, you know, send it to a refinery to bring it, bring it back and have it redistributed through the Northwest Minerals Province where it's most needed, uh, particularly diesel. Mm. So that's 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 why we we focused on that because those you know that that one re re refinery we're having in Queensland may not be there in the future if, if things are going the way they are. We're we're, we're bringing all that um, uh, imported fuel into the country. Twenty five percent of our liquid fuels now come from from China, and about fifteen percent of our diesel, and the rest and most of it comes in Chinese ships. So we're well exposed. Uh, geo political tensions arising in the region. Well, no, absolutely. Okay, then, so let's uh, bring it together for investors. When will there be some hard figures that uh, investors traditionally look out for in projects like this in terms of scale, cap cost, um, production figures? Those so we're not far away from that. We'll be able to um, uh, speak of that. We've got our internal numbers, of course, which look uh, quite good, but we will be able to talk about that at the back of this scoping study, and, and, and that's about a... Uh, eight to ten week process from uh, where we are now. So this year, 2023, a big one for the company in terms of advancing the project. I think it'll be the biggest. I think this will be uh, the year. Uh, you know, the the general zeitgeist is, has been about generation, energy generation in Australia. Now it's about storage. Hmm. Um, and uh, some of the some of the more interesting language that's come out this week, uh, uh, discussions of a hypercycle. In, in, in critical minerals. Now, we've got a lot of it here in Australia. We don't do downstream very well, but I think that's what we're trying to work on. And, and vanadium gives a great opportunity for that because unlike um, some of the other battery metals, you only need vanadium. Yep. You don't need copper, nickel, manganese, uh, cobalt. You don't need any of those things for a vanadium battery. And this is why uh, not only the Queensland government, but the federal government so excited about it because this could kick off a battery industry here very quickly because you're not hamstrung by all of those other, uh, you know, uh, mineral constraints that, that, that can be blocked up in supply chains. You've only, we've got the biggest, uh, we've got 18% of the, the, the global reserve for uh, vanadium and we can actually go fully downstream to build the batteries here. A little bit like uh, Maria uh, Skylas Kozakos, uh, Professor Maria from the University of New South Wales who invented this thing back in the early 80s. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those stories where uh, the technology has gone offshore to be redeveloped, uh, patents expired, and, and now everyone wants to do it, which is uh, a little bit unfortunate. But there's a chance to grab this back now for Australia uh, and start producing batteries here. The reason mm -hmm. that battery companies aren't here at the moment, and it looks like vanadium's at the, you know, at the kickoff point of, of, of technological development, is only because there's no production of vanadium in Australia. You've yeah. got to be close to the source. Otherwise, what you're doing is once you've translated that into a, a, an electrolyte, you're basically shipping around very dilute sulfuric acid and mostly water. Uh, so there's a limit to how far you can transport that before that starts to impact on, on, on the cost of the battery system itself. Uh, so it's not that the, the technology is not available, it's just that we need production of vanadium here in Australia so that the battery companies can come here and go, right, let's go. Yeah, no, good point. Okay. Uh, on a much, much smaller scale, something that... Uh took my fancy was uh, I see the banks moved out of Julia Creek, but you guys have moved into their old office. <laughs> we have, yeah, we have. So uh, we're, we're just doing up the office up there at the moment. Uh, it's the old Suncorp Bank, yeah. So uh, well located right in the centre of, of Julia Creek. 
uh, it shows our commitment to the to the area and, and to the project. And you know, uh, if you followed our story, you'll see that we have a, a high commitment to our ESG. Uh, I think we were doing this before ESG was a thing. Mm. Um, we've been out there. We're out there constantly. We're out there every month. We've got a presence. Everyone knows us out there. We've got full support from council and locals, and certainly from landowners. Uh, so yeah, and I think we're a, we're a perfect proof that. If you engage early and bring everyone along for the ride so that they're engaged in what you're doing, you're going to get really good outcomes, and, and, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Just a, another demonstration, too, of uh, mining industry, uh, bringing benefits to regional communities. Well, absolutely. And and this is what uh, I think particularly the, the young folk out there need to uh, understand is that we need considerably more mining to get this uh, to get this stuff out of the ground to achieve the renewable targets that have been set before us, and they're ambitious. Yeah. Uh, but without the, the 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 raw source material to get it out, uh, we we won't have any opportunity to to meet these goals. Okay, Gavin, you've outlined a fascinating story there. Company QEM with a well, a project of national significance, really. Uh, currently, market cap twenty six million dollars, and as Gavin said. Uh, watch out in six, eight weeks' time for scoping studies and more news on the, the project advancing towards production. So with that, Gavin, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. Be watching with interest. Thanks, Barry. It's an exciting time for us. I'm looking forward to it. Sure is. Thanks for your help. Cheers. Bye.